Now, what do we mean by strife? Strife manifests itself in various forms. It simply, it could be division, it, be, it could be quarrel, it could be ill feeling, it could be contention, it could be some sort of faction, division, enmity between people. So strife is really a cancer that eats away at human relationships. It really eats away at human relationships. And you know, we find strife everywhere. At home, we, we find strife between husband and wife, between parents and children, between siblings. You know, when they're growing up, they fight over toys. When they get grown up, they fight over land and money. Still giving their kids, you know. And we find strife, and, you know, and we also find strife in the place of work. And you go, you go to your workplace, there's strife. Sometimes you just can't get along with people on, your, on the same team. There's sometimes there may be strife between the boss and, and people working for him. Find strife in the place of work. We also find strife in the church, unfortunately. Sometimes there is strife between members of the same congregation. I hope it's not the case here, but you know, who knows, it could be. Maybe you're sitting here saying hallelujah, but you're not getting along with somebody else sitting in the same auditorium. No, as soon as the door goes, you'll be the first one to go out. Man, I don't want to see that person. <laughs> I don't know. So sometimes we get, get into strife with people in the church. And then there is strife between the ministers of God. There are different between pastors and preachers and ministers of God. We find strife. So we kind of find it almost everywhere. That there's probably no facet of life that is not touched by this cancerous thing called strife. So we must, you know, we, 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 our objective is to understand what causes strife, what are the negative effects of strife, and when you and I understand the negative effects of strife, you know, you and I will come to a place where say, God, I don't want to have that in my life. I just don't want strife in my life. And then we need to talk about how you and I can keep strife out of our life. So let's begin by first trying to understand what is it that causes strife? What is it that produces uh, this ill feeling that I, that I might have between somebody else? What is it that causes a breakdown in human relationship? What produces strife? There's a lot that the Bible has to say to kind of go through these things this morning. If you go to the book of Proverbs, you're going to spend some time there. What causes strife? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. Proverbs 10 verse 12. Number 1. Proverbs 10 verse 12. The Bible says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. So number 1, what causes strife? Hatred. Uh, just imagine the situation. You go to your, let's say you're, you're hired at, uh, in your first day at work, you, you go to this company, you're also happy, you're introduced to your team, so you, you're going to be part of this team, you're going to work with these people, you're so happy. And all of a sudden you realize that, you know, about five days later, you realize there's one particular person on the team, something is wrong. You know, we say it like this, there's no chemistry. 
I don't know what the chemistry is, but it's just, just a way to say you can't get along with that person. You know, and for the next two weeks, you try to behave civil. You know what that means? It means you try to, you know, behave normal, civil. But underneath, you know, there's no chemistry. Something is wrong. And, uh, and so uh, you begin to develop some sort of a, a hatred, a, a dislike. You begin to have a dislike towards this person. Then all of a sudden, the dislike turns to a little bit more kind of a thing like hatred. You kind of want to avoid that person in the team. He sits there, you sit far away. You know, it's kind of avoided. But then this hatred, as it keeps growing up inside you, one day it just comes out. And for Jesus, strife between you and that person. And the other person well, I never knew all this was going on. I thought you always liked me. I've always used all pat me on the back, give me a cup of coffee, smile at me. He didn't know what was happening undercover. And one day it came out and surfaced and produced strife between the two of you. Anger produces strife, Proverbs 15, chapter, verse 18. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. You know, a wrathful man, a man who's got a fiery temper, more fiery than baby mention. It's like it's burning inside him. Anything can trigger it off. You know, all of us have a potential to be angry. And uh, anger in itself is not wrong. It's something built in us. It just has to be channeled right. You need to be angry about the right things. Be angry towards sin. Be angry towards injustice. Be angry towards intolerance. Be angry about the right thing. But some of us have just this, this fiery thing inside of us that even a little thing somebody does or somebody says can boom. And that's it. Your uncontrollable temper has caused you more strife than you could imagine. Anger stirs up strife. Causes a breakdown of relationships. Chapter 29 and verse 22. It says, An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 33. Whereas the churning of milk produces butter, and bringing the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath or forcing of anger produces strife. In the literal Hebrew, the verse 33 reads like this, The pressure of milk produces curds, the pressure of the nose produces blood, the pressure of wrath, or pressure of anger, that is the brooding over, as it were, condensing it, produces strife. So anger, as it develops inside you, produces, creates strife in relationships. An angry man, the Bible says, abounds in transgression. There's no limit to that. A third thing that produces strife is what, what we call it Proverbs 26 and verse 20. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no talebearer or gossiper, strife ceases. So a talebearer, a gossiper, 
is somebody who causes strife. So let's say, you know, clear if you're really good friends and, you know, you, you do a lot of good things together and you go for, you go on a short vacation, three weeks, you're saying you're on annual vacation, you go on a short vacation. While you're gone, you know, this one friend starts to gossip about you to the other friends. Says, man, you don't know. Actually, you don't know him so well. You know, I know him. I've been with him for 25 years. We grew up together. I know him in and out. You know, and this is the kind of guy he is. He's like this. He does that. And, and he's got all these things. And, and, and he gossips about you. He tells tales about you. So three weeks, you come back. You feel so relaxed. You come back. And you meet your other friend. Say, hey, hi, how are you? And he just looks at you different. He says, and you wonder, what happened? All I did was go on a three-week vacation, come back. Everything has changed. What happens? He's looking at me differently. It's, things are not the way it used to be. Well, it's because there was a gospel around. And the Bible says, a talebearer, a gossiper, a whisperer, a slanderer causes strength. And sometimes we ourselves, perhaps unintentionally, we gossip about people and we are sowing seeds of strife that eat away at relationships between others. So we've got to be so careful how we speak and what we say. Number four, what else causes strife? Being contentious. Chapter 26, the same chapter, Proverbs 26, and look at verse 21. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. A contentious man. You know, this is just part of his personality. You say can't, he gets angry. So what happened? Or you just say hello and he gets angry. Why did you speak with that tone? <laughs> I mean, just anything is a reason for him to find fault. What do you call such a person? A contentious man. He's quarrelsome. He's ready to get in your case. For any little thing. Contentious. And a contentious man, somebody who's like this, who's got this as part of his, his or her personality, is it always somebody who's ending up in strife. There's a breakdown of several relationships. And the reason is not because the people are wrong, it's because there's something that's part of him or her which makes them contentious and therefore every little thing is a cause for strife. Being contentious. What else causes strife? Pride. <laughs> Chapter 28 and verse 25. Proverbs 28 and verse 25. Proverbs 28 and verse 25. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. What else causes strife? Pride. I mean, just think of this. You're in the meeting room, the conference room. You're all sitting together. Your team leader graduated from God Only Knows University. <laughs> but you have graduated from the world's best university. So you're sitting there, and you're all discussing, you know, how do we carry out this project? And you're all discussing everything. And of course, the team leader has been authorized to make the final decision. So he decides, he says, no, this is the way they're going to do it. You guys do this, you do this, you do this. And you're all there. So, how 
dare he make such kind of statement? I know better than him. Why? Because I'm graduated from the, this world, world's best university. He's graduated from nobody knows what university. How, how dare he does this? And it's your pride that makes you unwilling to be submitted to his authority. And so what happens? You say, no, I don't want to do it like this. I want to do it my way. I want to do it this way. I think my way is better. I think all of us should go with my way. What is it? It's pride. And pride causes... So many times we are creating strife in our relationships and the cause is because we are too proud to accept something, to accept somebody else's idea which may be better, to accept some other way that's different from our way, and, and our pride is what is creating the strife in our relationships, is causing this breakdown in human relationship. So pride. Now, we want to go over into the New Testament and look at a few more things that cause pride. It's very interesting, you would never expect this if you go to Luke, the 22nd chapter. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified on the cross. Luke, the 22nd chapter. He is at his last meal with his disciples. Or possibly one of the last meals he had with his disciples. He's sitting at table with his disciples. And he is so intently instituting the Lord's Supper. And he's trying to get his disciples to understand, look, I am about to be crucified, I'm going to go away. And I just want us to observe, what, do these, what really concerns these apostles when they hear that Jesus is getting ready to go away? Let's read from verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as, as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Verse 24. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Very interesting. There was a dispute, a strife among the apostles. What was it about? Who's going to be the next boss? Jesus said he's going away, right? Jesus said he's going to be betrayed, crucified. Hey guys, who's going to be the next boss? There was a dispute among them. Who's going to be our leader? Now just imagine this. These were the apostles of Jesus Christ. They have been with Jesus for the last three and a half years. They are how to preach these wonderful sermons. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the children of God. And all these wonderful things. They heard him preach and they heard him teach. But when they found out that he was going to lead, the one thing uppermost on their minds was who's going to be the next. And it caused so much of strife between them. Selfish ambition causes strife. How did Jesus handle the situation? He continues in verse 25. So when Jesus finds out about this, and he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. 
but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who serves as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am you, I am among you as the one who serves. So Jesus, guys, you got it all wrong. You are looking at the world and you're trying to model yourselves after what you're seeing in the world. In the world, you know, the, the, the guy who's up there, uh, who's in the, in the top position, he's the boss. But that's not the way it's going to be here. Your model is different. In this case, he who is the servant is going to be the So now find out among yourselves who wants to be the least. Because that's the one who's going to be on. He just turned the table over. It's very interesting. So selfish ambition causes strife. Now, it's possible that misunderstandings cause strife in Acts the sixth chapter. We're just kind of going through the New Testament, looking at some examples of what produced strife. Acts 6, verse 1. Sometimes there are misunderstandings. Acts 6, verse 1 says, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So here you find strife inside the church, in the church of Jerusalem. Inside the church, there was strife. What was the cause, the reason for it? There were the uh, Greek-speaking Jews, the Hellenists, who complained against the Hebrew-speaking Jews, the Aramaic-speaking Jews, the Hebrew Jews, that the widows, their widows, the Greek-speaking Jews, their widows, were being neglected in the distribution of food every day. And so they brought this complaint up, and it caused a little strife in the church. And the apostles up and bring a resolution to, this, to the situation, the problem. But that was sort of a misunderstanding. And we feel that we are being neglected. And so that produced strife. And sometimes it's misunderstanding. It's a feeling that, you know, I'm not, uh, they're not paying as much attention to me as they're paying attention to somebody else. And so this kind of things can produce strife. Personal differences, number eight. Personal differences or personality differences can produce strife. We see that in the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 15. You know, each one of us have a different kind of a personality and that it kind of, it just comes out in the way we work and the way we do things. Acts 15, verses 37 through 39. Acts 15, verse 37. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention of strife became so sharp that they parted from one another and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commanded by the brethren to the grace of God. Now here you see strife between apostles, Barnabas and Saul or Paul. They were not, you know, just ordinary men. These were apostles, they've been in ministry, they'd gone on, a, on, a, on their first missionary, missionary journey together. Now on their first missionary journey, they took along a young man whose name was John Mark. John Mark was Barnabas' nephew. So he tagged along, he went with them, but you know, John Mark came from a very affluent home. 
How do we know? If you read the book of Acts, the Bible tells us he, his mother had a big home and they all met in that place for prayer and so on. So, you know, we can kind of uh, uh, assume that he came a very well to the family and he was so used to sleeping in a nice bed celebrating on him. And here he has to go with Paul and Barnabas, you're traveling in ships, going on donkeys' backs. And so he said, man, I'm not used to this. This is not my kind of ministry. I'm going home. So midway he quit and he went home. Paul never forgot that. So now as Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go on the second missionary journey, Barnabas says, hey, I want to bring my nephew along. Can he come? Barnabas says, who? John Mark. John Mark? No way. Remember what he did on the first journey? He's not going to come with us. See, Barnabas was this compassionate, merciful kind of person. Let's give him another chance. Paul was his prophetic type. You're fitting me God. See you later. That's it. It's one chance and only one chance. And that's it. Just two different personalities. And they wanted to work together. They couldn't work in this place. And so sometimes our, our, our personality differences, our personal differences can cause strife. The interesting thing is this. You know, as Paul grew older, I think he mellowed down a bit. Because later in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, he writes to Timothy, he says, you know, when you come, please bring John Mark with you because he's useful to me in the ministry. So kind of later on, he realized, you know, I should have been so hard and so tough and, you know, been so rude to that young man. You know, John Mark grew up, he matured, he grew up, he became a really solid minister of God. And now Paul writes, he says, you know, please bring him, he's very useful to me. So sometimes these personality differences can bring about uh, strife. Another thing that we see that causes strife is factions or cliques. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. 1 Corinthians, chapter 3. We read verses 3 through 5. First Corinthians 3, 3 to 5, Paul writing to the Corinthian believers, he says, For you are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another of Ap another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one? So here you see inside the church there were factions, cliques. Now one group said, I am the Apollos kind of Christian. The other said, I am the Paul kind of Christian. You know? And you know, one group supported Apollos, one group supported Paul. And in the same church. And God had used Paul to raise the church up, God sent Apollos along a little later on to minister the people. They're all built up. And so over time what has happened is this cliques were formed in the church. And so as a result of it, what happened? There was strife and divisions in the church. And Paul is writing to them and he says, you guys, you're behaving like ordinary people. Because when one is saying, I'm of Paul, another is saying, I'm of Apollos, you're carnal. You're behaving like ordinary people. This is not right. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? They're just ministers of God through whom you believe. It's neither Paul, it's neither Apollos, it is God who matters. Amen? 
And I want us as a body to, you know, to be of that same mind. This church is not about us. This church is not about person A or person B or person C or person D. This church is about Jesus. Amen? So never should you ever come to a place where you say, you know, I am of ushers and I am of so-and-so and I am of so-and-so. If that ever happens, it's a great opportunity for strife to come in. Amen? And, you know, looking at churches around and looking at ministries all around the world, you find that this is probably one thing that has destroyed more churches than anything else. That is people supporting certain ministers, other group of people supporting certain ministers, and then the church splits, the church breaks. Are you with me? Paul writes a little later on in the same chapter, he says, Let no man glory in men. Let no one glory in men. If we can get all of us to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on some man, not on some leader in this church, we as a church are going to grow strong and stay united. Amen? Because all our eyes will be focused on one person, Jesus Christ. And we respect leaders. We respect those who have been placed in authority in, this, in the church, in the house. We respect them, but we, only, but we realize that they are just ministers through whom God is ministering to us. But our eyes are on Jesus. So somebody comes and asks you, whom do you support? Jesus. Amen? Our pastor asks not so and so, so I support Jesus. Amen? So we got to keep this attitude, keep this mind. Let's all be a one mind focused on Jesus. We as a church will do really well. And we'll go the mile, we'll cover the distance that God has for us as a body. And nothing can separate us. Amen. Something that really impresses me is to meet pastors who are able to keep their congregation without any division. Most of the time you run into churches, you find you talk to the pastor in the house, you've been ministering, says, you know, my church went through three splits, or my church went through four splits. And you kind of get into the nitty-gritties of it, and you find out this is what happens. I've probably, till now, I've probably run into only one pastor who said, I pastor for 17 years, and my church has never split even once. Only one pastor that I've met to now who said that. Amen. That one, our church would be that kind of a church. Amen. And we will go the distance. We will grow as big as God has called us to be. We will have as many leaders in place and many ministers of God ministering one together. But we will all keep our eyes on Jesus. Not on the leaders. Amen. What else causes strife? Two more things. We can pick up that. The other thing that causes strife is disputing over speculative ideas. We turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 3 to 5. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 5. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 5. The Bible says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. That I means they're teaching something else other than the word of God. They're teaching uh, other things. He says, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, 
useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such withdraw yourself. She goes, here's another thing that we see that can produce strife. It's disputing and arguing over words, opinions, and stuff that is really not the word of God. Amen? I mean, you can, you know, the people in the church fight over silly things. For example, how do you baptize somebody? You baptize them forward, you baptize them backward, you baptize them vertical. What's the right way? Because somebody says, you know, in, 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 in AD 40, this church historian wrote this, and he said he saw people were baptized this way. And they said, no, 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 no. I read something else written by another church historian. He wrote, he saw people being baptized this way, backwards. Listen, as long as you go under the water and come up alive, you're baptized, God bless you, be happy. Who cares that you go forwards, backwards, straight down? Man, as long as you go down and come up alive, you're happy, be happy, you're baptized. But you know, we need to fight over these silly things. We argue over, you know, all kinds of things that are not in the Word of God. Is this opinion correct? Is that who cares about people's opinions? Let's leave people's opinions out. Let's concentrate on the word of God, the wholesome doctrine of, the, of Jesus Christ. There's no disputing about this. We'll all agree, we'll all go together. Amen. Amen. It's only when you start picking up all these words and stuff and, and begin to argue over these uh, speculative ideas or words or opinions and these things, uh, they produce. And Paul said, from such things, just withdraw yourself. Just stay, away. stay out of this. I don't want any pardon. I'm staying out of this. I'll just go with the word of God. What is the word saying? If it's clear, I understand it. You understand it. We believe it. Let's go with it. Amen? If it's not clear, just keep quiet. Let's leave it out. Let's just believe what we understand and live out what we do understand. Amen? Amen. One last thing that produces strife here. Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. You'll read verses 23, 24 and 25. 2 Timothy chapter 2. What produces strife? But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes or questions, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, must not get into strife. But be gentle to all, able to teach patience, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So what Paul is saying here is this, avoid foolish and ignorant questions because they generate strife. So just imagine this, you know, you take your friend out from college, you know, man, I've learned how to, you know, share my story. I've learned how to, you know, share Jesus and say, hey, um, he comes from a Christian background, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't go to church, he doesn't believe in Jesus or anything, he just comes from a Christian background, so you say, hey, he's a good candidate, let me talk to him. You invite him for coffee, you take him out, coffee day, you sit down, you get him a cup of coffee, so he say, tells me, and then you kind of put the subject up, you say, hey, no, hey, uh, John, uh, uh, do you go to church? John says, you know, man, church, man, I've, I've been to church since, you know, I was six years old. Oh, John, no, why, why, why are you going to church? No. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, so he looks at me and says, man, tell me, are you one of those 
born again type people. <laughs> and you know, you're immediately scared because he, you've been identified now. <laughs> and uh, then you know, you say, you, know, you remember the verse, you know, I'm not a saint of the gospel of Christ. So yeah, I am. You know, John, I am. I want to just talk to you a little bit about Jesus. Man. He says, wait, I have one question. If you can answer this question, I'll listen to you. Tell me, where did Cain and Abel get the voice from? <laughs> and then he stumps you. Where did Cain and Abel get the vibes? <coughs> and here you are, so innocent, and you want to kind of, you know, tell them about Jesus and all that. And he brings up this ridiculous question. <laughs> Where did Cain and Abel get their vibes? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you're trying to be nice and think, you know, God, give me an answer. And, uh, you know, you're just sweating, you know, and you're saying, you know, John, you know, I think uh, they got married to their sisters. Their sisters! <laughs> And that's it. And then you know, then and, and, and a foolish and a silly question, an ignorant question like this can then lead you on further into strife. You get upset that he laughed at you and you throw the coffee in. And, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, you walk out of the place and whatever, you know. But many times, foolish and ignorant questions create strife. But you know what the Bible, Paul said, yeah, the servant of the Lord must not get, get into strife. So when somebody brings up these kinds of questions, which, you know, we don't have answers to all questions. We know what we know and we live by what we know. We don't have answers to every question or not. And we don't have to answer all questions. Because you, can, you can ask John, John, what use will it be to you if you find out where Cain and Abel got their wives from? I mean, how is it going to alter your life? How is it going to change your life? But isn't that important? Isn't your life more important than figuring out where you can enable God the voice? So some of those foolish and ignorant questions come up and we don't know how to control ourselves. We get into a quarrel, we get into a heated argument, thinking that if I can answer that question, I can probably lead him to Christ. No, 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 no. You might answer that question, but he's going to show and I'm going to ask you one more difficult question. So the best thing to do is to avoid that. And then focus in on what's important. You want to show him the love of God. You want to show him that God cares for him. So avoid foolish questions. Because foolish questions can lead you into <coughs> Can lead you into a healing argument. And then end up breaking down your relationship with that guy. And you'll never be able to share Jesus with him again. Just because he asked you one silly question. So we've just gone through several different things that cause strife. Hatred, anger. Gossiping, being contentious, pride, selfish ambition, misunderstandings, personal differences, cliques, speculative ideas, foolish questions. All of these things can produce strife in our life. I want to close this morning by going back to James chapter 3 and helping us look at the negative effects of strife. James 3, we're going to look at verse 16. James writes in James chapter 3, verse 16, he says, For where envy and selfish self-seeking or strife exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. For where envy and strife is, 
there is confusion and every evil thing. When you get into strife with somebody, you are really opening the door to confusion and to every evil thing. Meaning, you're opening the door and saying, Satan, come in, have a party. That's what you're doing. When you get into strife with somebody. If I get into strife with somebody, I'm allowing Satan free access into my life. And he can do whatever he wants in my life. Whether he can, hurt, he can damage my body if he wants. He can create confusion in my actions and my family, whatever. But I'm getting free access by one thing, through strife. Because where there is envy and strife, the Bible says there is confusion and every evil work. Every demonic work exists when we get into strife. There is no telling what Satan will do when we get into strife with somebody. Every evil work. Whether it's sickness or disease, confusion, depression, failure, lack of finances, whatever it could be. We're opening the door to every evil work when we get into strife with somebody. So our responsibility is we must come to a place where we say, God, I want to make sure I live life without I don't care what the other person does. I don't care what the other person says. That's their problem. I'm not going to let what they say, I'm not going to let what they do cause me to get into I'm going to guard myself from this cancerous thing called strife. I'm going to guard myself from this thing because if I get into strife, I'm going to open the door to every evil work in my life. So I'm going to be really careful about this. I'm going to let anything anybody says or anybody does allow me to get into. That's where each one of us must come to in life. Amen. Amen. Let's head up to our feet. Next Sunday we'll talk about how to do that, how to keep strife out of our life. But this morning, I want to stand up here and just take a few moments to pray before we close. I call the worship team out, please. And as you're standing here, I want you in your heart to say, God, I want to be a person who will live life without strife. Whether it's at home, husbands and wives, parents and children, children with their parents, siblings. Whether it's at work, with your co-workers, with your superiors, or with those who are working for you. Whether it's in the house of God, in the church, those who serve you, those who minister to you, those who you work with in the house of God. Doesn't matter what facet of life it is, all of us must be determined saying, I am going to live life without strife. I'm not going to get into strife with anybody. Let them say what they want. They may have hate. They may be ha having a short temper. They may be contentious. They may be quarrelsome. They may be full of pride. They may be having selfish ambition. But I will not allow their attitude, their behavior to cause me to get into I'm going to love that I'm going to keep strife out of my life. So let's all pray together as we stand here. Say, God, I want to be a person 
will keep strife out of my life. Because if I get into strife in my relationships with people, not only am I going to lose relationships, but I'm also going to open the door to confusion and every evil mind. Bad enough to lose relationships with people. It's worse to see that confusion creeps in and Satan comes in and begins to do damage to other areas of life. All because we got into strife with somebody. I want you to pray this morning and maybe you are in strife right now with somebody. It could be somebody at work, it could be somebody at home, maybe your parents. Maybe your brothers, sisters. Maybe it could be somebody in the house of God. But I want you to just stand here just to pray and say, God, I don't want this cancer in my life. You know, if some of us were diagnosed with cancer, the first thing you do is go to the doctor and say, how can I get rid of it? Strife is a spiritual cancer. Because it opens the door to every evil work in our lives. I love God to take it out of your life. I love God to take it out of my life. Let us be a people who will live life without strength. I want you to pray as you love God to help you apply what you've heard. Just talk to the Lord and say, God, I want to apply this in my life. Every area of my life. I want to determine that I will live life without
as we stand here this morning in your presence, Lord. Father, we heard from your words. We receive the wisdom from your word, God. Of what strife does in our lives. We've become aware of the different things that could cause strife in our relationship. Father, we pray that you'll bring us to a place where we will live life without any strife, with anybody. Father, that you'll just give us the ability, the grace to live our lives. Regardless of how they behave, we will walk in peace. Bring us, Lord, in that place. Each one of us. work on certain areas of our life. We've probably been like God in this strife with several different people for various reasons. God just says we don't want cancer. We don't want strife. I just pray God that you give us the grace to bring peace into those relationships. Today, maybe there is strife, there is ill feeling, there is hatred, there is animosity, there's enmity. Father, please turn it around so that there can be peace in those relationships in our lives. So that we can live our life totally free from do this for us, Lord. Give us the grace to go back and connect with those people. Give us the grace to go back and make peace. Give us the grace to go back and extend love so that strife can be taken out of this body. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name.